This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. This week's podcast is brought to you by BHP. Copper is a big deal in the energy transition because it's used to make electric vehicles, wind turbines and solar panels. When it comes to producing copper responsibly, it's happening now at BHP. Good morning, I'm Larissa Moore. And I'm Claire Kimball. It's Monday the 20th of June. In your squiz today, Julian Assange is to be extradited to the US. NATO warns of a lengthy war. The Aboriginal flag gets a permanent spot on the bridge. And some very cheesy nail polish. This is your squiz today. The news that WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange would be extradited to the US to face espionage charges broke over the weekend. There are a lot of ins and outs to this case, Claire. It's been going on for 12 years. Take us through the major points that have led to here. So it started with the publication by WikiLeaks of hundreds of thousands of sensitive documents that came from the United States military uh, and also its diplomatic arm. Uh, What those documents did was go through details from the Afghanistan and Iraq wars and also characterisations of its diplomatic core of international leaders. Of course, Assange was also wanted in Sweden over rape allegations, but that was dropped after some time by Sweden. When we look at what happened in 2012, when he was trying to avoid extradition to Sweden over those charges, he went into the Ecuadorian embassy in London. Seven years later, he was dragged from that embassy and taken into into custody in London for skipping bail. And then in the last two and a half years, there's been a lot of legal wrangling over the charges that America have brought over the leak of those documents. He could face up to 175 years in jail if he's convicted. He has two weeks to appeal the extradition order, which his lawyers say that they'll do. The Albanese government here at home is coming under a bit of pressure to do what they can to prevent the extradition. Yeah, what senior front benches say is that the government is talking to US and UK officials, but they're doing that behind the scenes. They're not engaging what they call megaphone diplomacy. Assange's family have called for that to happen. Of course, a lot of them are still based in Australia. Uh, What they say is that there is new information that hasn't been previously considered in Assange's appeals that will be brought forward. And that includes claims that there were plots to kidnap and kill Assange from within the CIA. Plenty more to come over the next few weeks. His wife, Stella Assange, says they'll keep fighting. She says we're not at the end of the road here. Still in international news, the head of NATO, Jens Stoltenberg, has said that the war in Ukraine could drag on for years. It comes as other leaders, like the UK's Boris Johnson, warn against Ukraine fatigue. Yeah, it is a real thing. Boris Johnson says that it's starting to set in around the world. He visited Ukraine's President Vladimir Zelensky in Kyiv on Friday. Uh, He says that it's very important to continue to show that the world is with them for the long haul. Uh, and also that they're giving them uh, the support that they need. What Stoltenberg said yesterday is that it is going to be very expensive, not just for that military support, but also for the rising energy and food prices. It's something that's biting not just here in Australia, but around the world. Meanwhile, Ukraine is one step closer to joining the European Union, with the European Commission recommending that the country become a candidate to join the bloc. However, there would be many steps to go before membership would actually happen. 
Cosmetics giant Revlon is one of the world's most iconic makeup brands, but the 90-year-old company has just filed for bankruptcy in the US, facing a raft of issues, Claire. Yeah, it could herald the end of that iconic brand, but it also could be a way for it to carve out a future. When you file for bankruptcy in the United States, uh, it's essentially a way to clear the debt and for debtors and creditors to agree that sort of repayment plan or to at least draw a line under it. Uh, In Revlon's case, they've got about half a billion US dollars that they need to work out just to keep them afloat. Through that bankruptcy process, they can also map out a future. But those in the industry say that's very difficult for a company like Revlon because they're not particularly cool at the moment. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's lots of brands on social media that have popped up that are nowhere near as big, but they have a lot of traction. Yeah, a recent industry poll ranks Revlon at the 22nd spot when it comes to cosmetic brands. So a big fall from one that used to be right up the top there. Over the last couple of years, they've faced supply chain issues, price hikes, people giving up on makeup in COVID, sales moving online, and as you say, just not being social media savvy enough. Back home and more than 260,000 Toyota owners could be eligible to receive thousands of dollars worth of compensation. That is, if you're the owner of a Hilux, Prado or Fortuna bought between October 2015 and April 2020. Yeah, the issue is that there's a defective filter system on diesel versions of those cars. Uh, It has left owners out of pocket because there's apparently a foul-smelling white smoke uh, and also it has decreased the vehicle's fuel efficiency. So following a federal court ruling from April, there's going to be notices sent to the owners of those vehicles to let them know that they can access compensation that takes into account the value of their car because because it's obviously less than those that don't have those defects. The total amount of compensation paid out could total more than $2.7 billion, which would make it possibly the largest compensation payout in Australian history. A message now from our podcast partner, BHP. The steel made from iron ore plays an important role in providing the production of our energy infrastructure, from wind turbines to power poles. So cutting carbon emissions in iron ore production is key. It's why BHP has committed to a solar and battery agreement to help power its port facilities at Port Headland. It's happening now at BHP. The Aboriginal flag is set to permanently fly from the Sydney Harbour Bridge, with New South Wales Premier Dominic Perrottet saying the move will bring unity to the country. Yep, it's going to cost $25 million, though, and he's not entirely sure why it's going to Mm. cost that much. Uh, (laughs) He says that unity, though, is important and that it's a small price to pay for that. He said that he's happy to go to Bunnings himself and (laughs) climb up and put a pole up. Uh, I don't like his chances. It's a 20-metre flagpole. Uh, It needs to hold a 9 metre by 4.5 metre flag. So it's a bit of a project for a man who thinks he's a bit handy. Uh, (laughs) The Aboriginal flag usually flies for about 19 days a year on the Sydney Harbour Bridge, but it will now be a permanent feature. Yeah, I'm sure a few engineers are raising their eyebrows on that assumption that it can be done with a trip (laughs) to Bunnings. It should be completed this year, although it could take up to two years. Here's one for the nail polish lovers or cheese lovers. Bet you never thought these two would be combining, but a British beauty brand has come up with a nail polish that smells like cheese. It's uh, unique, Claire. 
<laughs> Comes in two shades. One is called finger food, which is a bright red. I have a sort of issue with that, that you, you know, finger food is a thing anyway. Um, <laughs> and the other one is La Dolce Velveta, which is a creamy yellow colour. Uh, when put on together, it really smells like cheese. It has to dry to smell like cheese. Uh, just walking around the idea of people smelling their fingers, I kind of mm. have an issue with. And for then those fingers to smell like cheese. <laughs> it's just Why would you want your fingers to smell like it cheese? It just raises a whole <laughs> heap of questions. Squiz the day, Claire. What are you taking note of today? It seems appropriate that today's the 80th birthday of Brian Wilson, of course, one of the founders of the Beach Boys. It's also International Surfing Day. (laughs) That is a very neat tie-in right there. (laughs) For me, today marks the start of Learning Disability Week. It's on until the 26th of June. Up to one in 10 Aussie kids has a learning disability and the Squiz Kids podcast have put together such an excellent kids shortcut on the topic that breaks it down in a kid-friendly way, really helps have those conversations with your kids. The Squiz Kids podcast is suitable for kids aged 8 to 12, so a great one to listen to with them. It's out now as a subscription special on Apple Podcasts and teachers, it is, of course, available in Squiz Kids for schools, so you can check it out there. That's all from us today. Have a good Monday and we will be back with you tomorrow. G'day, I'm Kate Watson, co-host of News Club. News Club this week was an interview with Lauren Sams. She's the fashion editor at the Australian Financial Review. She's all over the business of fashion and retail, so I pulled her in to talk to us about fast fashion and ultra-fast fashion. In particular, businesses like Timu and Shein, who in Australia alone are on track to record more than $2 billion in sales. Here's a clip from that conversation. What is happening is that it's recalibrating fashion as a single-use item. Mm. So when you think about something that's 6 or $7, you know, my, I bought coffee this morning and that was $5.50 and that that's a single-use item to me. You know, I, I have my coffee. Like actually is, like you cannot use that twice. No. <laughs> and so when you're talking about a dress yeah. that's sort of an equivalent price, people equate it with something that doesn't need to be valued. Um, you don't need to wear it again. To listen to the full interview, just search for News Club in your podcast app and hit follow.